Welcome to Impact AI, the podcast for startups who want to create a better future through the use of machine learning. I'm your host, Heather Couture. Today, I'm joined by guest Vinod Subramanian, Chief Data and Product Development Officer at SIAPS, to talk about using data to improve patient outcomes. Vinod, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, and great to be here, Heather. Vinod, could you share a bit about your background and how that led you to SIAPS? Uh, sure. I am an engineer by education. I have an MBA in general management. Early on in my professional career, I had the opportunity to work with data and technology that led me to developing and delivering innovative SaaS products in high-tech and finance industries. This was when AI and data science was not quite commonly used technologies in any industry. I had an opportunity to work at Kodak that gave me access to the brightest minds and insight into healthcare industry in general. I was specifically working with the health imaging group there, and we had a partnership with the University of Rochester. I was working with uh, NAM within the company focused on patient data, developing solutions that could enable healthcare professionals to use patient data to make point-of-care decisions, leveraging software and technology as tools. Right? Interestingly, today, world's biggest problems are the biggest opportunities, thanks to AI. And for this meaningful impact, from my experience at Kodak, I think what I've taken as a key learning was the place you start does matter. Technology is not the answer, it's the amplifier of the intent. And the fundamental question, I think that all of us are confronted by what is the intent and what in the world that we want to try to help shape, right? And this is why, to me, the most important thing is what is the mission of the company? What are we looking to serve? And who are we serving, right? And the people first approach to applying AI and humanizing the work we do, right, is where I think it's going to be a bigger impact. And right? this has been my experience as well. And the last thing, right, I would share, right, why SIAS, right? For me, every interesting opportunity is at the intersection of my passion, the unmet need in front of me, and the people I get to work with. And the opportunity to leverage data and technology to advance cancer care through precision medicine was a compelling reason for me to take a role at SIAS. It not only enabled me to nurture my desire to help others, also enabled me to earn a living, of course. And there are very few professions where you can touch the lives of others and make a difference in them in the way you can in healthcare industry today, right? And it's been quite satisfying journey. So what does SIAPS do and why is this important for healthcare? Yeah, great question. So SIAPS is a real-world evidence company dedicated to improving outcomes for people with cancer and other serious diseases. SIAPS is about transforming patient experience through real-world data and insights. Now, I've used few terminologies, and let me explain what that means. Raw data gathered outside of clinical trials are called raw-world data. Insights derived from real-world data is commonly referred to as real-world evidence. Now, why it matters is real-world evidence arms physicians and clinicians with data and a deeper understanding of patients' disease leading to better care and outcomes. Right. This enhances the application of precision medicine and supports regulatory submissions for drug approval because in precision medicine, the right insight for the right patient in the hands of the right clinician or a physician is extremely important. And transforming patients' lives is at the core of all the offering and products that we have today at SIAPS. And our offerings blend data intelligence, insights and analytics and applied experience. Again, to that point that I mentioned, about specificity and having the right insight for the right patient in the hands of the right clinician to make life-saving decisions faster. 
I think you you're asking a, a second part question, right? Why is it important for healthcare? There are infinite possibilities in the terms of patient care with aggregated and harmonized data in healthcare. We all know about the point that data in general, right, is fragmented and decentralized in the industry. Well, data comes from knowledge, and knowledge comes from connecting information. And of course, information stems from aggregating disparate data. Now, this is the journey that we took at SIAPS many years ago, right, in focusing on data interoperability, technology enabled curation, where we leverage machine learning and NLP heavily, focusing on building a platform that can support outcomes right, and use cases. And at SIAPS, we have targeted leveraging technology to acquire and curate data securely, to use data science to harmonize and derive high value elements for patients, right? To give healthcare professionals the insight that they need at the right time. Right? We also leverage technology to give confidence and greater experience for professionals, especially given the COVID, right? The use of data in healthcare has significantly increased. And the confidence only comes when you can use the data confidently and comfortably and make decisions which are resulting in outcomes which is advancing care for patients. What role does machine learning play in your technology in creating these insights and helping make decisions? Yeah, it's not just machine learning, I will add, but I focus on machine learning, of course. It is machine learning, NLP, and AI in many ways. The impact of secure data analytics that leverages technology like machine learning and AI is, in a way, going to be the innovative journey of companies progressing from basic analytics to predictive and prescriptive analytics that are actionable and that serves healthcare professionals and patients alike. The real-world data is increasingly used to inform research, patient care, population health, and oncology. However, the use of real data at scale requires focus on accurate methods to identify clinically relevant attributes, and the rich data combined with the application of increasingly advanced machine learning produces better models, right, that continuously improve the predictive capabilities. That has been our experience at SIAPS. Now, at SIAPS, right, we refer to our data platform as radars. I will use that terminology as well, right, so it doesn't confuse or throw off people. The source and method does matter for us, right? And we heavily use that as a core tenant to everything that we do at SIAPS, including products and technology that leverages machine learning. For us, actionable insights are critical. Actionability based on insights are extremely critical as well, right? And this is where we leverage machine learning, NLP, both on the ingestion side of data in our platform and also on the interpretation side of our platform as well. And certain outcomes that we get to are around enabling early cancer detection through machine learning and other areas that we use is to recognize disparities and early detection diagnosis of cancer in areas we focus heavily on, especially rare cancer types. Machine learning today, especially in a life science setting, is leveraged as new ways right, to garner new biological insights specifically around clinical trials again, in identifying rare and difficult to diagnose diseases. And there are two publications that we've done, right, that highlights the work that we've done, specifically in applying to certain outcomes. One is the metastatic status identification. And the metastatic status is highly relevant clinical attribute in cancer patients, but is not routinely captured in structured data formats. As such, you have to look for other areas, right, and other data that can allow us, especially researchers and clinicians, to identify the metastatic status. And if you think about it, the clinical variables documented in EHRs can be used to differentiate metastatic from non-metastatic patients. Clinical diagnosis, treatments, imaging procedures are some of the examples. Right? 
And we were able to get to around 97% of position, right, in negative risk metastatic status in itself. The other area that we invested heavily, right, is in finding myelodysplastic syndrome, MDS patients, and it's a known challenge in the industry. And the current claims-based approaches haven't been validated against expert reference standards. Manual screening by certified tumor registrars is expensive and time-consuming. There has to be an efficient criteria, right, in our view. And this is what led us to develop machine learning in identifying ways to identify patients, these rare cancer patients. And we were able to get around 1.7 improvement in the overall identification rate and identify digestive patients missed by expert determination, inclusion criteria, and things like that. And our data science team continues to spend a lot of time in looking at how to capture hard-to-get elements. Biomarkers is a great example, and we published in this area as well, in using NLP, right, to go extract these high-value data elements from any form of data we get structured, unstructured, and semi-structured. Uh, and the last point here, Nusedar, is today, while the adoption of machine learning, AI, and NLP, right, is is definitely broader than how it was a few years ago. But the standards in the use of these, right, are not consistent across the industry, especially in healthcare. So one of the things that we are also doing, right, is not just about adopting and using. We strongly believe that we want to share our work and that would not only raise and mainstream the work of everybody doing it, but also it will help us in adopting and applying in precision medicine, right, through standards. And in turn, it will help us to achieve our mission in reducing the fear and burden of serious diseases of cancer patients. The other piece that we also do as a founding member of the Real World Evidence Alliance is to work with like-minded companies and partner with FDA to help create and set industry standards right, in the use of technology like machine learning, AI, NLP, right, and also data standards right, in, in general. So you mentioned briefly some of the types of data that your healthcare data you're working with. Could you elaborate on what forms of data this encompasses? Yeah, absolutely. Data needs to be, in my view, closely represent the target customer population, right? We are looking to serve through our products. And in our case, we focus on the largest segment of the market, the community health systems, where a majority of cancer care occurs. The broader market in the U.S., right, 51% of the care is delivered through community health systems, where the community oncologists are integrated into a network and the care they deliver. We cover around 11% of the community health systems, and that is translating around 5.5% of the overall market in the U.S. Right now, imagine the interaction, right, between a patient, their care team, pharmacy, external labs, and the progress from these interactions. Now, taking these interactions and encounters in the time series is the definition of patient journey. Why I'm bringing that point to this question is to get a complete picture of a patient's journey for a healthcare professional is to view that in a 360-degree way. Like this gives the professional insight into what occurred, why it occurred, and when it occurred. And this is the basis for our approach in looking at data and the types of data that we work and outcomes we can get to through our products. Uh, we work with health system non-cancer data. We work with health system uh, uh, cancer uh, care data. We work with outpatient oncology clinic uh, data and then molecular testing uh, data as well, in addition to mortality data. So we work with the clinical data that comes from EMR and enterprise data warehouse registries. We work with molecular data that typically is in internal or external labs 
within a health system entity and also external labs like Tempus and foundation and things like that. We work with mortality data, which is extremely critical for overall survival within and cancer care. And of course, claims data, which is rich with treatments, diagnosis, and various things around encounters and things like that. And lastly, biomarker data, which is extremely important for precision medicine today. In precision medicine, biomarkers play an important role, and we've been working on for the past five years, right, in uh, uh, leveraging the extraction of biomarkers and the accuracy of biomarkers from unstructured oncology data. Now, oncology data is extremely clinically complex and highly contextual. The ability to extract biomarkers while preserving its essential context is not just critical, but a necessity today, right, especially focused on precision medicine. And this goes for many other elements that are extracted from semi-structured and unstructured data. And we leverage the interoperability standards in looking at a multi-nodal, multi-source data that not only gets us to outcomes, but also elevates, in our view, the clinicians who are now having access to data in making life-saving decisions, right, of course, faster. So for those less familiar with healthcare data, maybe taking the example of electronic medical records, what type of data is in an EMR and what things can you do with it? Yeah, so there are many things that you can do with the EMR and the EHR data, right? So mostly what the EHRs and the EMRs the world, right, to contain our clinical data, it includes the non-cancer care data within the health system and the cancer care data. Let me break it down further. A good example is patient demographics, medication, any kind of encounter and the results from an encounter and a treatment journey. It all gets documented in the EHRs and EMRs. Now, this gives a great view in the clinical journey of the patient right, in the system. Now, many EMRs also allow mechanisms to integrate uh, data that comes from molecular labs, right? molecular testing, that is also part of a cancer care patient's journey. And that brings an, an view that is slowly getting to that comprehensive part, right? because your clinical journey along with your molecular testing and what that insights give you, along with any other socioeconomic and behavioral data, makes it comprehensive. And today, the EHRs give ways to document that uh, in many ways. But the one challenge that is consistent, right, in the data that is seen with EHR and EMR is it's only as good as the data being entered. In some cases, it's entered, entered manually. In some cases, it's automatic. So there are definitely fragmentation and gaps in the data. But nevertheless, it's a great starting point, right? And once you have that as a good starting point, that can be a source, and it is a source in many ways. And then applying technology like machine learning, NLP, and AI only enhances that. And you are clear about what you don't have, the gaps that are there in the data. And then at least there is specificity in what you need to go and address in getting the comprehensiveness in the data because data then allows us to use tools like machine learning and AI to get to outcomes faster and also do things that humans can often not see at all and not connect things. Uh, technology today uh, enables us to connect things that are completely non-connectable to a human eye, the intentional congruence that brings to the forefront in things that we can enable and leverage technology to get to outcomes in a better way. So you mentioned some of the challenges there, but what other challenges do you encounter in working with and integrating these disparate types of data, especially as they go into machine learning models? 
Yeah, I think the data has been interestingly very foundational to uh, all the things that we are doing today, right? With machine learning, AI, and NLP, right? While different industries have different view in terms of the definition of value, but data has been foundational for all those outcomes through machine learning, AI, right? For us, what we have seen, right, is healthcare industry in general is in a unique position to improve patient experience and outcomes, and of course, reduce cost and take cost out of the operations through the use of data. Now, not all data is created equal. And we can improve the way data is collected, connected, analyzed, and consumed. We can not only improve the lives of our community, but it also gives us a way to look at the care continuum very differently. Now, our experience, again, at SIAPS, this has been our journey for the past five years, has been focused on three key aspects. Right? One is compiling and processing the data intelligence, using NLP machine learning and analytics to draw insights, applying them to patient care. Now, without access to data in a usable state, right? none of this is really possible. And the challenges that we faced initially were key learnings right, that we took that enabled us to design and develop our platform. And for that, we needed the data to be findable. It needed to be accessible. It needs to be interoperable and reusable. The second piece to that is different types of data from different sources, which are multinodal in a structured, has to be structured in an efficient manner for it to be usable. And of course, the security aspects of it, the compliance and regulatory aspects also have to be taken into account as you work with data. In addition, by transforming the data, you have data coming from different sources, they are represented differently. Even simple things like aspirin gets represented in 10 different ways. You have to take into account that the data has to be standardized. It has to be normalized for it to be used, right? And you have to apply certain knowledge to the data so that way it can answer questions that you already have and it can help you define questions that you've not thought about. So these are the challenges that we ran into as we were going through it. And lastly, in healthcare specifically, there are multiple layers of security, right? And there are privacy restrictions. In working with data, you have to be aware of those policies, procedures, and these restrictions to understand the compliance needs because they are there for the right reason, specifically to care and safeguard patients. And it has to be accounted right in the solutions as well. So considering the, the many types of data you have, I suspect you've created a variety of types of machine learning models. How do you validate these models? On the model side, there are certain things that we follow that we've developed over the years. And the key for us in training and validating the models has been data. Now, data in itself is not enough, right? It has to, we also have focused on the questions we are looking to answer in assessing the data that we have, in assessing the gaps that are there in the data and leveraging the talent, right, in terms of certified human registrars or clinicians as we validate the inferences coming from the model. And of course, there is a human validation and human in the mix. And how do we partner with our talented clinicians on staff to interpret the clinical context that is accurately incorporated into the models is something that we do on a regular basis. The transparent evidence-based methodologies that we openly share through our peer review publications and presentations is another form that we use to validate what we are incorporating into our platform. For us, it serves two purposes. One, it serves a way for us to get feedback with like-minded peers in the industry. 
Second thing is it builds credibility, right? It's extremely important, especially in healthcare when you are introducing technologies and features that are futuristic in, in nature, right? Machine learning is one of them. So that way there is confidence in using it. And the publications and research are ways for us to get that and put it out there and develop it as well. And uh, if you go to psyops.com under blogs, we have all our research and publication published as well. Now, specifically taking some of the things that we have developed, right? One of the things that we look at is um, multidisciplinary expertise, right? We make sure that it's leveraged throughout the model development lifecycle. In-depth understanding of the model's intended integration, right? Into a flow within our product and how it supports our customers' workflow. The desired benefits and associated patient risks and ensure that the machine learning enabled features are safe and effective and the clinically meaningful needs right over the life cycle is one thing that we validate. The second thing is good software engineering and security practices, right? And make sure that they are implemented. Model design is implemented, attention to the fundamentals, right? Of good software practices, data quality assurance, data management, robustness in security practice, right? And the practice includes methodological risk management, things around design and appropriate ways to capture and communicate design if they are all implemented. There are always going to be risks and we need to consider that on how are you going to make the decision, how are you going to validate it, and how are you ensuring data authenticity and integrity, right? As you are developing the model and integrating that into a product. The third piece, right, for us is the data sets that we use, right, when we are developing the model and validating the model has to be representative of the intended patient population. What, what I mean by that is the data collection protocols should ensure that the relevant characteristics of the intended population, example, age, gender, sex, race, ethnicity, is accounted for. <clears throat> the use and the measurement inputs are sufficiently represented in a sample of adequate size, especially if it is focused on a particular study. And the training and data and the test data sets can be reasonably generalized right, for the patient population. And it's important for us that we manage any bias and promote appropriate and generalizable performance across the intended uh, patient population, right? Because it's an important aspect of developing and validating the model. The fourth one is training data sets have to be independent of the test data sets. That's something that we internally make sure that the data sets are selected and maintained appropriately, independent of one another, because the potential sources are having some dependence including patient data acquisition, and we have to account for that, and we have to address any to ensure that there is independence. And the fifth one is the selected reference data sets. We want to make sure that they are based upon best possible methods, acceptable, uh, available methods, even though the methods and standards are evolving, using a reference standard to ensure the clinical relevance and characterization of the data that we collect. The objective of the reference standards is to make sure that as we develop the model and test the model, it promotes and demonstrates robustness and generalizability across an intended population because you have to think about beyond your immediate use cases because the questions you answer today, once you answer, you're going to have more questions. And we want to make sure that the model that we're using to develop the machine learning features can extend out beyond what we originally imagined. When we do that, as part of the validation, we want to see how it extends and where are the areas that we need to further test. And then we place heavy focus on the performance, right, on this human AI team, I call, where the model has a human in the loop and the human factors, considerations 
interpretability of the model, right? And outputs that are, that are addressed with the emphasis on performance of this human AI interaction. It has to be objective rather than being subjective, right? So we work through that. The last and the most important thing that we also look at is there are retraining risks, especially when you're training a model. And when that models are periodically and continuously trained after deployment, we have to think about appropriate controls to manage risks of overfitting, unintended bias, or even degradation of the model. Example, right? When data, data set drift is a great example. So this has to be accounted as we are validating, and this is something that we take into account as well. So you mentioned bias. Can you elaborate on how bias can manifest with models trained on medical data? And are there some specific things your team is doing to mitigate it? Yeah, I think we strongly believe that the data that we are using, training set, testing set, or even reference data sets, it has to represent the target customer population that we are serving. Past is a great indication of what is to come, but past is also a great indication, especially when it comes to bias and what not to do. In our view, there are two things that we look at. One is from a technology point of view, there are things that we look at from a data to make sure that as we work with our right, and since our customers are all in the community, health setting, it covers the demographics that they are serving, which essentially represents all the population that we have. But we feel that is still not enough, right? We need to put more effort there. The second piece, right, is around data governance oversight, right? And we use that to make sure that we monitor biases in the model because these are sometimes unconscious. The conscious ones are something that we are aware of and we can do something about it. But the unconscious ones are things that we have to keep an eye out for and learn from what we are seeing and start to incorporate that so that we can better anticipate. So those are the things that we look at from a technology point of view. From a culture point of view, right, to train machines, right, think like ethical, compassionate humans, we have to but and we must create a culture of ethical and compassionate teams within the organization as well. Understand that the problems we are solving is incredibly complex. So a culture with psychological safety and being open and accepting of failure, right, is paramount as we work through and blaze this path right into the future. And we believe that being transparent, evidence-based methodologies that we openly share through our peer-reviewed publications and presentations uh, allows us to create a culture within the company, but more importantly, to advance a learning across the ecosystem that we are in today. And again, you can access all the work that we've done right through our website at www.sahabs.com. Machine learning is often quite a multidisciplinary effort in order to get models at work. How does your team of machine learning developers collaborate with other domain experts? This is a very interesting question. It's near and dear to me. So to me, to apply machine learning and AI in a real world care setting, and to be able to present the results in the right place at the right time, in the hands of the right person, requires an understanding of the care delivery. Right? This only can occur from an interaction that brings science, medicine, technology together. And as a company, right, we have invested a lot in this workflow, understanding the base use case, defining hypothesis, understanding the data, thinking about how to apply technology as an amplifier of our intent. And uh, we have been fortunate to have colleagues who have spent long careers, right, as clinicians, physicians, oncologists, pathologists, epidemiologists, data science, data analytics, technology experts with deep experience in healthcare. Uh, and uh, we also have access to 
some fantastic feedback through our key opinion leaders in the industry and our customers, right? So together, we create an ecosystem where it's comfortable and it's for all practical purposes, the starting point for interaction for our ML developers, because when we work with these individuals, we have a culture where it is not exception, but a norm to think about working with these folks, talk to them, ask them questions, and be comfortable to ask the uncomfortable question. When we do that, it becomes a part of a culture and a standard that makes it easy for people to talk openly, share, and work together because we are working together to address problems, and there are problems, and these are complex. And rather than focusing on the person, it's easy for people to focus on the problem, right? At hand and what are we looking to solve? And our mission plays a big role in focusing and reminding us what the North Star is and what are we working towards and make it a collaborative environment to have access to domain experts, listen to them, understand where they're coming from, and incorporate that in what we do every day. This is how we can actually serve patients that are centered to everything that we are doing. Is there any advice you could offer to other leaders of AI-powered startups? Yeah, the experience of COVID has accelerated long-needed changes right, to how we operate in healthcare, advancing the use of AI, forcing collaborations across stakeholders and giving data. Uh, and of course, AI has a central role in the care, the future of care innovation and delivery. Right? In healthcare, data management has evolved into data science, enabling us to put data into action not just for one patient, but for all. I believe to achieve this required specificity and the specificity have to come in a way where we are not only thinking about developing actionable insights for customers we serve, it's also a path right, to, towards our future customers and collaboration driving actionability that in my view truly advances care. For that, the culture is extremely important. Right? There's no guarantee when you get into an initiative which uses machine learning and AI because it cannot be successful. It has to be a learning experience, but it, there's no guarantee that it will be successful. And there are, and there needs to be willingness and appetite to experiment, learn, and iterate. And taking a Socratic approach and accelerates the journey towards success anchored on the culture. Right? That is something that I've learned in my experience, not just at PsyApps, but at Nekison and even at Kodak Labs. Prepare to iterate. Innovation is extremely important. But translating that innovation into outcomes, which is near and immediate, and even it can be small, generates significant amount of goodwill and also confidence within the group that is working. Investment in talent, not just in experts in data engineering, but also data interoperability, informatics, data science, software engineering, information security, DevOps, epidemiology, data analytics, data product, data quality, along with clinical expertise is something that is absolutely needed, right? It's not something that you can just go by hiring few experts in data science and data engineering anymore. Focusing on adding talent that is not just skilled, but also having the mindset, right? And doing their best every day, because in healthcare, there are challenges and there is always going to be complexity and you need that willingness to be persistent no matter what, right? So that's something that I would definitely share right from my personal journey on things to just keep in mind right as you are developing and building and uh, focusing on AI right to power outcomes. And finally, where do you see the impact of PsyApps in three to five years? The data intelligence is the foundation for us for every patient engagement. We believe that the patient care is already complex right and viewing patient from a human lens always 
begs the question, what else can we do to lighten the burden and improve cancer care? Uh, in this journey, right, we believe improving the patient experience directly during their treatment journey goes a long way. Future fit foresight to AI, we believe is only possible because of the power of data and data being high quality. There are three key areas that I see SIAP significantly contributing to the industry in the future. One is around clinical trials. Uh, the clinical trial sponsors today face significant challenges in finding the right patients at the right time in the patient uh, journey. This is where leveraging some of our features, like in enhancing that using machine learning, is going to go a long way. Some of the stats that <clears throat> you may have heard, of all the patients with cancer, less than 8% participate in clinical trials. Because clinical trials today have a way to expedite drugs and uh, approval of drugs in the market for cancer care. It's also extremely challenging, right, to achieve enrollment targets for many trials, right? So these are <clears throat> important aspects to address, and we feel we are going to be able to be well-situated in addressing that. And the last and the most important thing right, is clinical trials need diversity, and it has to be representative of the actual population. And this is one of the reasons why the FDA is mandating inclusion in clinical trials. So again, this is an area that we strongly feel <clears throat> and given biomarkers and are becoming an important aspect of oncology drugs is going to be a big part. The second piece is the opportunity to collaborate across a full clinical development process because mostly people are not aware that there are many steps involved in bringing a therapy from an idea into the hands of patients in need. Our differentiated data intelligence capabilities and especially working with community health systems and the relationships we have there along with clinical trial engagement and strategic partnership, we feel that we can help in the full clinical development process. Last area is having insights is great, but applying the insights in, in truly in the care setting is an important aspect because that's the only way you can advance care. And we believe that in our, based on our relationships and our ability to leverage technology and leverage the data that we have, we can drive those outcomes and intervention points throughout the patient journey. And not just in identifying gaps, whether it comes in the molecular testing or in the targeted therapies, more importantly, in identifying healthcare disparities. We feel that the relationships that we have and the partnerships that we've developed over years and leveraging technology, we can address those gaps to improve those challenges that we see today. And of course, right, we're focusing on advancing care specifically around cancer care. This has been great. Vinod, your team at SIAPS is doing some really interesting work for healthcare. I expect that the insights you've shared will be valuable to other AI companies. Where can people find out more about you online? Yes, I am in uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. My Twitter handle is WinDNA. And a lot of the work that we do at SIAPS and what my team does along with our colleagues very talented at SIAPS is available at www.siaps.com. Uh, we have all our publications and research, a lot of information about the work we do with our customers also on our website, right? So you can definitely take a look at that. You can also follow us. We have a company handle both in LinkedIn and uh, Twitter that we use very regularly in sharing some insights and in also raising awareness, right? In the work that we're doing, right? Specifically focused on cancer care. If you're interested, please do follow us and we would love to connect with you as well. Perfect. I'll link to all of those in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Heather. This was such a delight. I love the energy and your questions and thrilled to be here. 
All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Heather Couture, and I hope you join me again next time for Impact AI.